Hi, this is Marnie with Maxim and Marnie, a show that I get to do and I get to interview people um, in my faith community at my church in Naperville. Um, And Maxim is a synonym for truth. So we like to explore people's honest stories. And I think sometimes I've heard some people comment on loving listening to everybody's stories, but sometimes resistant to maybe sharing some of those vulnerable places or the things that they don't feel great about. And I just want to remind everybody that those things or those flaws or the places that you might have shame about, I think are really what make us beautiful and to share those, lift that shame and make other people who've experienced that, because I'm pretty sure somebody else has probably experienced that in our community would, would lift them up. Um, so I'm excited to share those things and I, and I'm excited for the people who've been brave enough to share those. Cause I think that really blesses our community. I got to jump in Marnie and Go. say like, I've had positive conversations with people who have said, yeah, you made me feel like my story is normal, that I'm not alone. And so I, I, I love the truth that comes out and I think you're doing a great job. Thanks, Pastor Brian. All right. Well, on to um, our guest today, um, Paula Felbine. Welcome, Paula. Thank you. Um, and I uh, I love when I don't know these answers. So, Paula, where did you grow up? I grew up near Utica, Illinois. I was raised on a farm and um, went to high school, went to a sort of a country school, um, most mostly country kids, and then went to church in one town and high school in another town since we lived halfway in between. In Utica, it's a small town and it's out near where? It's out near Starved Rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. LaSalle County. So it's I about was halfway born between. in Del Zell. There you go. My dad was on WLPO. So you're familiar with Rips. I was three. Nope, I don't. Oh, you don't. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but a small town. Yes, yeah, indeed. so a small town community. And was your farm animals or um, produce? Corn and soybeans. Corn and soybeans. And did you have like lots of cats and dogs that lived outside in the barn and you roamed free in the corn? We always had a dog. Well, from the time I was two, I guess. But I always remember always having a dog that always lived outside. Yes. And then we started having cats when I was probably six or seven and had a multitude of cats at any given time. And how far away was your nearest neighbor? Oh, a quarter mile down the road, I would say. Yes. And so how did you interact as a family with community? Like, how did you create that since you didn't have people right next door? You went to church. Mm-hmm. Went to church and um, didn't really have your typical playdates, I guess, yes. as a kid. I sort of was sort of fended for myself, I guess, and found my own enjoyment. I read a lot, um, enjoyed being outside. How many siblings did you have? I had one sister. Okay. And did you guys pal around? Did you enjoy similar? She was actually only 15 months younger than I was, but she had cerebral palsy. So a different relationship. Completely. So she was paralyzed on her right side and also cognitively affected. Okay. So she lived with my parents until her late 20s, early 30s, at which point it became apparent that they needed to find another solution. So she ended up in a group residence in our local, in Peru at that time for a few years. And they would still visit, bring her home on the weekends, that sort of thing. But yes, we did not have your typical sibling relationship. She went to a special school in LaSalle, whereas I just went through the traditional public school system. So how did that affect you with having um, a sibling that had special needs? Were you a caretaker? Were you envious? Were you upset that maybe she got attention? Or were did you lavish her and able to um, look at her through a heart lens? 
I guess I didn't really know any different. Sure. Not having had another sibling. Right. I certainly saw it from my friends' perspectives when they had, you know, siblings who were able to be more compatible with them. Um, she was delightful. She always had a smile on her face. She understood everything was very social with my parents, went everywhere with them. So it was just sort of the way we were. Yeah. Um, so could she communicate with you? Was she given any devices where she could electronically do that with you? No, she could communicate and you knew what she wanted by her facial expressions or she would nod or, you know, agree to do something. She would have a, she had a very small vocabulary, but emphatic when there was something that she didn't like or didn't want to do. Interesting. Um, and I feel like you're, you're speaking in past tense. Um, yes, she okay. passed away. Um, she passed away at age 40, uh, very suddenly, of what was called twisted bowel syndrome. Yeah, so you have just walked that. And your parents are still with us? They are not. Actually, going back to my sister for a moment, that her disability probably contributed to her death only from the perspective that she was not able to communicate what the issues were. Oh. Okay. So they knew that there was a problem at, at, the, at that point she was at a sheltered workshop and they knew there was a problem because she just wasn't herself. She was very consistently, like I say, happy and participative and that sort of thing. And this day it was clear that there were issues. They took her back to the group home, called my parents. My parents had her at the hospital and they were um, addressing, trying to address the issues, but before they could resolve what the problem was or provide any treatment, she passed. What is the typical age for somebody with cerebral palsy? I don't know that there is a typical age. So it's a really big range. Mm-hmm. And there are varying degrees of it as well, how you're affected. Right. Because you see a lot of actors and actresses on TV who have cerebral palsy. You know, the broadcaster for the Sox yes. has cerebral palsy. No, I did not. So He has an awesome video, too, about how kids... Uh, would say ask questions like what's wrong with him and and he he does this uh, comic cartoon it's the one of the greatest things that I've ever seen for for cerebral palsy and him explaining it uh, to to kids like it's not it's not a bad thing to ask and and just uh, really stepped it up so I yeah I like that guy so I don't think there is a a lifespan issue necessarily it's <clears throat> and, and like I say there are varying degrees to which people are affected. Um, from their from a mobility standpoint, and then all the way to the cognitive aspect of things. Okay. Um, well, that is a unique way to grow up, though, I think, for sure. What were you like in high school, or what was the friend group in high school that you had? Um, I was not very participative in high school. I was sort of the consummate student needing to get the good grades Sort of yes. thing. I see this in one of your sons, I think. Well, actually, very participatory, but also very good about their grades. Wait, so I jumped ahead. So you have two sons, um, but we'll start, we'll, we'll back up a bit before I get into them. Um, so after high school, where did you go? I went to my community college for two years, and then I went down to U of I at Champaign. Very smart. So what was your degree in? Political science. Interesting. So what did you dream of being with that degree? I did not. um, I did not dream of being anything in particular. I did not know what I wanted to do at that point. Sure. And sort of switched majors midstream. Yeah. And decided this was a path I could go and get a degree and then figure it out. Yes. Thinking the important thing was to get a degree. So that's what I did. And then only to find out that the job that I ended up with 
probably there wasn't even a degree for. Yeah. So, um, so it worked. Um, when I, I, I was a corporate communications major and one of my favorite, um, classes was a political communications class and we had to read a book and to say book report lightly. Um, but it was, um, love and war and running for the president. And it was that Marley Matlin and James Carville story. Did you ever read that? I did not read the book, but I know who you're, you're talking familiar about. familiar with mm-hmm. it. Oh, I recommend it to anybody, especially now in the climate that we live in. Um, it was very interesting because they are married with opposing views. Um, and it chapter by chapter switches um, point of view. Um, and I think it shows uh, the good intention and heart behind um, both viewpoints. So I thought it was interesting. And that was quite my... animated. Yes. Impassionate. <laughs> right. And so to... To uh, to live in a world where they're constantly combining that and honoring and respecting each other, I thought was very cool. Yeah, so political science must have been very interesting for you. It was. So you graduated and you got into a career, you said, without that degree. So what was that career? I ended up in marketing communications oh, how funny. as well for a major corporation and uh, had a very fortunate, very interesting experience where when I started with the company, we were involved in the restoration of the of the Statue of Liberty for the... So you were in New York? No, actually based here in Chicago. Okay. Um, with the Allied Band Lines. And we had two mobile museums going around the country that were basically moving trucks that were specced out to be mobile museums that had backlit panels depicting the immigration process, a video, sculptures also relevant to the to the immigration process. The tie being, you know, we move people from one place to another to better their life, you know, hopefully better their lifestyle to a new job, that sort of thing. So there was the correlation there, which was how the company had gotten started in it before I ever joined them. Um, and I joined for three months after their two-year commitment into this program. So I worked in the corporate office for 10 months and then went on the road when one of the positions opened up as an advanced person to um, do the advance work for the East Coast exhibit, go, traveling across the country. So out on the road. So give me um, what stands out that were differences in people that you interacted with in different cultures or different places in the country. Um, was that interesting? Or? It was interesting. I, it was a phenomenal opp- opportunity to meet with our agents because I met with our agents in their communities where they have their moving and storage agency. And we would work with them to bring the exhibit to town to bring it to one of their national account customers and allow their employees to go through if they were, if they were handling the moves for a major corporation's employee relocation. Um, we did it in conjunction with local festivals like a Last Fling or like Rib Fest, where we'd bring it and allow the community to go through as well. So it was great from the perspective of not only in that position, but also in my subsequent job after that two-year commitment ended, I had the opportunity to work with so many people in so many different facets, not only in different departments of the entire company, but also with agents and also with drivers, you know, doing video shoots or, you know, doing interviews for special projects that we were working on, um, as well as outside vendors, you know, marketing communications firms, our PR firm, our advertising agency, our Yellow Pages agency, that sort of thing. So it was a great opportunity to just interact with a great number of people. Yeah, that sounds like a really great first job experience. How, and so you were only there for two years? I was there until the end of the project, which I knew when I went on the road that there was no long-term commitment after that, at which point I then went to a PR firm 
for about a year and a half, during which time the corporation was sold to a British company. And my former boss was promoted, ended up calling and saying, we're expanding the marketing communications department and have another position. Are you interested in coming back? So at that point, I went back and stayed for another 14 years, 13 years, 14 years. Oh, wow, a long time. And did you ever get to go to England? I did not get to go to England as part of the company, no. That would have been fun, but you've gone socially. Yes. Marshall had the opportunity to travel over there. Okay, so let's talk about Marshall. So where? tell me your love story. Where did you meet your husband? He also worked at the company, Okay, but in a completely different department. Mm-hmm. He was in the insurance division. So we really didn't have a lot of interaction. We never really worked together. Um, I did work on a project with another team member in in the insurance division. And at the culmination of that, they had a get together after work in downtown Naperville. I was invited because I was involved. Marsha was there, walked in the door. We had known each other. We started talking, talked the whole night. And he captured my heart when he raced across the street to at that time, which is at that time where Oberweiss Dairy was, and got me chocolate peanut butter ice cream. Oh, and the rest is history. That's so sweet. So how long were you dating um, before you realized you had different um, faiths that you believed in? Oh, it was immediate. That night? Um, I don't know that it was that night. I mean, it was obvious. He was Jewish and I was Lutheran. We didn't really talk about that at yeah. that point. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was from the get-go. Yeah. And, no, and so when you realized and talked about it, you thought... I can make this work. This isn't something that's going to um, prevent us from being together. I probably struggled with it more than he did. Yeah. But he was very supportive. You know, when we talked long-term and the possibility if we would have children and what that would mean as it relates to our faith life. And he was very supportive from the beginning and saying, I am completely behind you with raising the boys Lutheran. Oh, wow. well, at that point, we didn't know it was boys, but with raising our children. Yeah, interesting. Um, my first job, uh, I worked um, oddly. My boss was Jewish. His wife was Christian. Um, and then another guy, Joe Bartosh, shout out to him. I think he still produces the Bears. Uh, he was also an interfaith marriage. So it was just kind of interesting that at a very young age, I was witnessing um, relationships um, that went against uh, that as a barrier. So I think that's very interesting. Um, do you feel like you have a community within that, or has that not been something that you've shared with other people? Or what do you mean by that? Other couples that have oh, been interfaith? No, not yeah. we. Ha- I can't say that we we do. Yeah. So does he worship at a temple? He will attend typically Yom Kippur services every year. But other than that, not on a regular basis. He actually makes the joke that he's here more than some of the members of our saviors. <laughs> I would completely agree with that one. <laughs> so he worships here, and that doesn't offend. No. And he, Yeah, so he's just a very open-minded individual. And he, again, you know, is very supportive of the direction that we're going. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about the boys. They're twins. They are twins. Uh, they're 17 now, very involved in high school and church activities. And, you know, I want to grow up to be my kids. What can I, I tell mean, you? I mean, honestly, yeah. you guys, just to toot her own horn, these are some of the best boys here. They are warm. They have servant hearts. 
they serve with smiles. They're, they're not shy. They're like, they'll actually communicate with adults, with yes. peers, with young kids. Um, you've raised, you must be very, very, very proud um, in the young men that they have become. Well, thanks. It's, uh, they're great. How uh, excited were you to have twins? Super excited. Yes. Super I love excited. it. Yes. So they're fraternal. They are fraternal for the first, probably till about sixth grade, seventh grade, maybe, they looked a lot alike to the point that people would ask, are they identical? And people had a hard time telling them apart. Oh, how funny. But I, obviously I didn't, know them, yeah, the I didn't know them then. Yeah, I didn't know them then. Yeah. How would you describe each of them if you had to give them a couple words of an adjective? Andrew, very um, social and sports slash car oriented. Mm-hmm. And Matthew, very committed and uh, purpose driven, I would say. Yeah, and band and theater. Very musical, absolutely. Yes. Oh gosh, and would so you jealous. say that he is a genius, like a prodigy oh. in music? I don't know about that. I think that I would. I think I would say that. I would say that he has like raw talent that many people are going to be very jealous of where where they have to spend hours and hours and hours practicing. He probably spends hours and hours and hours perfecting, but um, he is just has a natural gift. Like it's I, I sit there when he plays at church. I'm just jealous. Like, cause in, in he's, he's just having fun moving around. So yeah, he's, he's got a gift. Yeah. And he loves it. That's his passion. Yeah. We have, um, at ignition last year, we did a two different worship nights, but one where he led it and he, um, chose the worship songs and he played the music and I felt like he was 25 you know, just with the maturity and the sophistication of how he went from song to song and how he led a group of 40 to 50 of us sitting in the gym. Um, it was just a really neat experience. I think that's amazing um, that he has a heart for that uh, and leading. It's awesome. Um, what would you say, how long have you been at Our Saviors? Oh, gosh, I have to think of the year. We started when the boys started sixth grade. Oh, okay. Um, I want, I'm asking you this question, um, not because I think that you have these things, but just because other people have said this. I don't want to come on. I, I don't know if my faith is, is this, or I don't know if my faith is that. And I just want to say that I think the point of talking to people in our faith community is to shine a light on the fact that we all have doubts and we all have things that we struggle with within our faith. So I'm not saying that you do, but I'm just bringing it up because I have heard that. And I was wondering if you had any that you could share um, or areas that you've struggled with or doubts that you've had or questions that you've had maybe answered that you could share with us? Um, <clears throat> I would say I was raised by parents who had a mixed marriage. Uh, my father was Missouri Synod Lutheran. My mother was ALC or LC. I can't quite remember what it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but from day one, it was al- that was always an integral part of our life. So I can't say that I've ever had that born again experience where it's a ta-da moment. It's just been sort of inherent in how I've grown up and who I am. I think there are times when I find myself turning to God more so, 
um, Marshall had experienced some significant health issues a few years back. So that was a time that I sort of had to wrap my head around where we were at and what we were looking at facing down the road and dealing with that and how to best do so. And you leaned in on faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, prayer. Yes, and Bible <laughs> verses Yeah, that help as well. Um, it's interesting how you say about the ta-da moment. Um, Pastor um, Mark was here once, and I remember him articulating that Christianity's faith journeys, everybody's is different, and some have a microwave moment, and some are a slow cooker. And I think I am like you, <laughs> and I'm more of a slow cooker. Yeah, it was always there. It was always a part of your life. You had it, and then it's just grown, right? Yes. Like, that's kind of how you would say. Yeah. I would. Yeah. But the problem with that is that we... We live in a world of social media, and um, we hear in the Bible like, "Oh, Moses got a burning bush." So where's my where's my sign? You know, everybody's looking for like the big thing, and sometimes it is like a slow cooker, and that's perfectly okay. And you don't have to have your faith totally rocked. You're still questioning and growing. But I think we live in a. I I baptize some adults who are constantly saying. Well, but like, you know, I came out and not everything was different that, you know, like on TV, you see like they're totally changed as soon as they have that done. And not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets a mountaintop experience. So I kind of like to fly under the radar, I guess, as it relates to just sort of an even keel. I remember when um, we would go to retreats when I was in high school, weekend retreats at the Lutheran camp out by DeKalb. And... Many of the kids there would have be very emotional, you know, after the communion experience mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And I never, I it, it that just wasn't me. Mm-hmm. So I always found it interesting that they were having this sort of seemingly cathartic moment, emotional, and I couldn't relate to that. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's okay. And I think yeah. it's almost. Um, not less or more than, um, but certainly your choice to keep choosing it without the emotionality of it is kind of powerful. I don't think emotionality is a word. Um, but the feels, right? Like you didn't have all the feels, but you still choose. And I think there's a, a real respectable power in people steadfastly choosing, right, to mm-hmm. walk in the steps and walk in that faith journey. Yes, I, I would say so. What areas um, do you love to serve in at our church? Where do you serve? Where do you see yourself? Um, I've been involved in the youth auction the past couple of years. And, you know, just sort of one-off projects. Yeah. Tell just, people about the youth auction. Though, who yeah, haven't I, been. thank you. Because this is not a s- tiny thing. Yeah, it's a big it's, undertaking. I was amazed. You know, I, I sat there for the first couple of years that we were there because my boys weren't in high school yet and heard them promoting, you know, ticket sales are happening. And I had no understanding until I think it was eighth grade that I helped out the servers as junior high parents do. They help with the servers who are serving the meals to the attendees and was blown away by how impressive 
the entire evening was and what went in, what clearly went into it to make it a success. So from that point on, I was on board with what we needed to do, especially having the two boys in high school and benefiting from, you know, the proceeds that are raised from that. Right. Um, so anyway, youth auction, it's an evening in early March that is dinner, it is a silent auction, it is a live auction, and it is a, a singing and dance production by the high school youth. To a high school church youth group choir. What? That that they go all out for this thing. All out. It's insane. I'm jealous that they get to do that. It's amazing. Can you reveal uh, what the um, theme is for this year? I haven't been officially made privy to that. Oh, because I you, had it you on, have an idea then, or you know? It was on idea. the Eagles Wings paper that was enough. Oh, oh, oh mom is the word. Mom is the word. Um, you can reveal it. Wait, wait, wait. What if you revealed it and then we like force their hand and be like, <laughs> Paul said it on the podcast. It's not been decided. And we just decided. I pinky swore. No. Yeah, and it's definitely grown through the years uh, because when I was first mentoring around 2001, it was still over in, what's the room that's across from the church? Yeah, so it was in there, and they would kind of build up a stage, and then we would be kind of in the round tables there. And I believe the first one was like a country and western theme. Um, Tommy Greville, Sarah Harvey, I think, were uh, freshmen in that, and they performed. But it's definitely grown. And I don't. I have nothing to compare it to except for the past what four or five years now. Yeah, and it's exceptional, right? But it's incredible. The production quality, absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. And we've got some really talented youth. Yes. Besides yes. Matthew and Andrew dancing and singing and playing the piano and yeah, they all kind of shine bright. And, they and certainly do. Go out of their. Some of them definitely are going out of their element in doing it, which I just think is the sweetest part of it all. And having fun, and I, so I'm I'm constantly watching this and saying. This is church. Like this is they they totally get why they're doing it. They love their church. They love this community and and people are there to support them. I yeah, it's it's cool. And I think it's great that we provide that opportunity for them to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Both not only the staff that shepherds them through the entire process, but also the church community as a whole that comes out and supports them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that watches it. Yeah. Um, are there any other areas that you have served that you've loved or want to shine a light on or celebrate? Um, I've worked with, I just worked with Terry on a little project over at OSLC. Um, worked a little bit on confirmation when the boys were being confirmed. So it's more one-off type projects, I would say. I really love a few things about our confirmation program. And one of them is the faith statement that they ask. Were you surprised at what your boys wrote or um, can you remember? Things I can't that remember they specifically, said? but yeah. it seemed pretty, they seemed pretty aligned. What they wrote was aligned with who they are. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I think at eighth grade, if somebody would have said, what do you know? You know what I mean? What do you think? What do you really think here? I think it's an interesting process to challenge our youth to say those things. But I think that's where a, the lifelong aspect of being involved comes into play. Because even in eighth grade, they've now heard it and lived it for four, 13, 14 years. So I think it almost becomes 
second nature from the standpoint that that's just the way it is. Not to say there's not questions and not to say that they're not going to grow more than that, which I certainly hope and expect that they will. But I think even at that point, that has been, that is critical in getting them to the point that they're at, at that stage. I love it. What would you say is something that you know for certain or that you feel very confident in, in knowing? You're like, I know this for sure about life, about faith. <clears throat> that's a hard, that's a big question. That is. I guess I just have confidence that what we're experiencing here is nothing compared to what we'll, what we'll experience in heaven. And I struggle with what heaven is. I guess I have two, two thoughts. Go for it. I have the, it will be so amazing and we will, it will be better than it even is here, mm-hmm. sort of on an earthly level. Mm-hmm. And then I have the, it can't even compare to this. So it's something that we can't even comprehend right. that's beyond what we even know. Do you like the song, I Can Only Imagine? Mm-hmm. Like, that to me, like, when I hear that, I'm like, yeah, uh, that's why I like that song is it's, um, I don't know how I'm going to react, but I know that feeling. And, it, yeah, it's, yeah, so that's what I thought of when you said, we were saying that. So part of me thinks maybe we'll, ha- we'll still have that connection with knowing <laughs> what our kids or our grandkids are doing. You know how people say, oh, my mom was looking down on us because... I saw, you know, I saw a sign, you know, humming, she likes hummingbirds. I saw the hummingbird, right. whatever. So part of me thinks it could, it could be that, but then part of me thinks it's going to go so far beyond that, that yeah. this, it won't even, this part or that part won't even matter. Right. Did you ever see the movie Contact with Jodie Foster? <gasps> I think I did, but I don't, I'm not very good okay, at remembering Okay, rewatch movies. it, do homework, do your homework, watch Everybody watch that <laughs> movie. That's a really Carl interesting... Sagan? The one who directed it, wrote it? No, he wrote it. Um, yeah. I think it's an interesting viewpoint of heaven mm. um, and where she goes and how she <laughs> imagines. It was a, I thought it was a beautifully painted picture because it is so hard to imagine. Is it, is it beyond us? Is it just the most beautiful beach day you ever had in your whole life? Yeah, what is, what is heaven? Yeah. Um, what is something that you have learned recently or, or learned as an adult that was surprising or interesting. Learned as an adult, I learned how to play pickleball. Yeah, you play pickleball, pickleball here. Please tell us. Oh, there's a team of pickleball. Please tell us about that. Yeah. It is awesome. Um, a great group of people. And it is a game, sort of a combination between tennis, badminton, and ping pong. Tennis? So is there a shuttlecock involved? My mom's going to love that I said that because I (laughs) love to throw that out. There's a wiffle ball. More like a wiffle ball than anything else. Okay. And then what are you hitting it with? Paddles, which are basically sort of oversized ping pong, oblong paddles. Ping pong paddles that aren't padded. They have a hard surface. And then a net that's a bit lower than a tennis net. Okay. And a court that's about uh, half, maybe the size of a tennis court. And okay. so at Celebration, there are three courts. That three, have lines. Yeah. yeah, and so and they're painted on there now. They used to be taped. So if you look down during worship, you'll, you'll see their new lines. And who attends the pickleball? About how many people go pickleballing? Yesterday we had 16. 16. Wow. And are these 20-somethings that are single? 
These are what I like to call myself and the rest of the group, our seniors and semi-seniors. Yes, yes. <laughs> For the most part. Um, so but active. It, actually, um, the Turnquists were the ones that started it, and they winter in Florida, as do some of our other members. Okay. And they enjoyed playing it so much down there that they decided maybe it's something we could engage the OSLC community in and sort of reached out to see if that's something that could happen, and it's gotten to the point that it has. Oh, and that's awesome. As an outsider, you might look at it and be like, oh, I'm going to go and school them. It's really difficult because oh, of the sure. wiffle ball. Like it's, it's, uh, you have to have the right kind of like technique and um, – um, and the hardest part is counting. For me, I can't figure out the scoring of this game. Is it so like love, I will play, love? but I will not count. Uh, n- no. But it's not like 1 to 10. It's 1 to 11. 1 to 11. <laughs> <laughs> I only have 10 fingers. <laughs> well, there's three parts. There's your score, there's your opponent's score, and then there's if you're the first ser- server or the second server. Yeah, it's yeah. a little complicated. Right, I don't know. But you have 16, so that's like a really nice community. It is, as long as we're, yes, we're playing outside right now. So that works out really well because we're able to accommodate everybody. When we move to Celebration, it will be a little bit more of a challenge. And has anybody thrown a racket down and mad and like stormed yeah, off? we need to know the dirt. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say throwing it down, but just dropping it out of yes. exasperation happens yes. on a semi-regular basis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so good sportsmanship is had by Absolutely. All. It is a fabulous group of people. And oh, I'm so delighted that actually we've all played. All four of us have played. Um, Andrew really enjoys it a lot, but he's not able to do it on a regular basis because of commitments. And But Marshall and I do it as often as we can. That's just wonderful. It is. What else do you and Marshall share as a as a married couple? What other common interests? Chasing after Andrew and Matthew. Yeah. Pretty much. That's a kind of a full-time job. You know, yeah. we, we do enjoy traveling, but now at this point, we've sort of resigned ourselves to the fact that we won't be traveling for the next year or two until they get through, you know, and if it is, it will be a college visit. Right. That's just sort of the nature of the beast right now. Right. What do you dream for your sons for their future? That they're happy. Yeah. Yeah. Fulfilled. Fulfilled in life, Mm -hmm. in community. Yeah. Do you think they'll stay around here? Or do you think they'll graduate? I don't know. I... Andrew's going to have multiple houses in multiple (laughs) locations to hear him tell it. So he might still have a house here. We'll see. Yeah. And Matthew, um, he seems to like the area, and he's he his interest right now is music education, which okay. will probably be his long term interest. Yeah, and he is having a great experience here. I think if he were to experience some schools in other areas and other parts of the state or the country, it would be an eye-opening experience, and I'm not sure how he would react to that. Because he's so fortunate. Yes. The because opportunities, of the opportunities are so rich. Here. Yes. It just goes on and on. I mean, every day of the week, he's going to school early for some extracurricular activity. Give us his schedule. In. I want to hear these things. Uh, Monday, he goes for Triam, which is a music-related sort of high school fraternity 
type okay? what organization. I didn't know that existed. Okay. Try him. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, he goes early for Hacapella, which is the men's acapella group at Central. Okay. Wednesday, there's no before school activity because that's the day that's the late start and teachers right? meet. Um, Friday, if there's like a pep band type of experience before a game or something, he'll go early for that. And right now, after school, he has marching band five days a week, assuming there's a football game on Friday and then March is Friday night, and then Saturdays, right now, he's involved in marching band competitions. So he's bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got lots of time And he's just doing hands. golf right now. So he has golf pretty much five days a week after school. Oh, I love that. That's a wonderful game to uh, perfect and, and go out into lifelong, the business world. So it that's really the beauty is. of it. He can do it forever. My husband loves the golf. Um, they should go out. He should go out to Misswood with Brett. It would give Brett an excuse to play. That's um, where he's been taking lessons. Oh, he has. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Well, he needs to go play. My girls are really good at driving the golf carts out there. You know Bo Jackson's a member out there? I did not. Bo knows. Brett, did you we know were that- playing, and we were like, it was late at night, and he took the girls out just to do like three holes, like two summers ago maybe now. And he's like, oh, there's a single that wants to play through. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Bro Jackson. I was like, next time say, like, it's Bo. <laughs> I mean, That's my awesome. Goodness. Do you know that Bo Jackson is my hero in life? Oh. Yeah, he's my childhood hero. I Well, you could go with Andrew yeah, to golf. I'll and just hang out. I'm in. Um, Mark Getz, before they moved to New York, and he's still in the area, but um, he's like, you know, Pastor Brian, I, I have a gift I want to give you. And I'm like, what? And he goes, um, so I'm making a proposal that because uh, Bo Jackson used to work in the same building as him. Like he has an office that he's constantly in. So he goes, um, I'm going to go over there and I'm just going to ask if I can take him out to lunch and take you out to lunch. I'm like, you do that for me? And he goes, yeah, he did it. They shot him down. <laughs> yeah, he's very private, Brett said. But he's such a good human being. He doesn't like to take yeah. pictures. And that's right. Brett, that was Brett's excuse. I would never he's get like, my picture. He would I just have asked for a picture. You would have talked to him and he doesn't like that. And I was like, you could have just right. told me before. His 30 for 30 is the best one ever. So. What's that mean? 30 for 30. It's ESPN does like a, a show called 30 for 30 where they'll just tell you. It used to be in 30 minutes, somewhere longer now, but um, about a sports player, their life, and, or or an event that happened. Or a team. Or like team. 85 beers. There you go. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> they're, they're phenomenally Chicago done gal. documentaries, <laughs> but Bo Jackson's is the best. So you're a Cubs fan, as, as you shared. I, Did, I don't know if that was on the recording or no, not. No, it wasn't. Um, were you watching Friday's game? I I had something on Friday. I was not able to watch Friday's so game. So I, I, we had some members here of the church who, you know, they're like, hey, you want to go to the game? So Mandy and I uh, had a babysitter, and we, we went to the game. And I'm a Sox fan. So I put on my orange Bears jersey because I'm like, that's... Chicago, supporting yeah. Chicago. Sure, and then sure. I'm wearing my tacos hat. And um, Dave... Dave uh, Schramm, who gave us the tickets, he leans over to me and goes, just so you know... Um, your orange shirt's going to be picked up on TV because every time there's a lefty, they like beeline it. Like they can see you on TV. Um, so just giving you a heads up. Next thing I know, like two minutes later, my phone is blowing up <laughs> because uh, right after or it was either right before a commercial or right after a commercial, they zoom in on me and the broadcaster goes, tacos, simply put my friend. And then I eat a nacho. Like it's me eating a nacho <laughs> on TV. Well scripted. It's so yeah. like, but everybody from our savers was Produced. like, uh, you're playing hooky. Uh, you're at a Cubs game. Uh, you're not a Sox fan anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. Go Chicago. Yeah. Um, 
I was wondering, how long have you guys been married? We've been married 22 years. 22. Congratulations. Many more to you. That's awesome. Um, What would you say would be advice or words of encouragement to other married couples or words of advice that you would give on having a successful relationship? Don't marry someone you can live with. Marry someone you can't live without. Oh. Interesting. Tell me more. Don't settle. Yeah. 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 Make sure that it's wholehearted, you know, that it is true love, that it's not just, oh, I feel like maybe I should be getting married and try to make this work. Or I think I, I think I'll be able to manage this. It's okay. I think I can live with this to not have that perspective. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's I love that. Good. Powerful. Um, what else can I ask you about that? I put on that list that I don't remember now. I don't want to forget anything. Are there any big life moments that you think this would be titillating or exciting to share about my life experiences? You said you guys love to travel. Have you, what was the most fun place that you guys traveled to? I don't know that we had a most fun place, but we traveled a lot when we were both working. Um, Marshall traveled for business and I traveled for business. So oftentimes we would meet up with the other person at the end of the week and stay for the weekend. That's great. So we traveled a lot domestically. He traveled a little bit internationally, and I joined him on a couple of those trips. But uh, we just had a great opportunity to travel the United States. What would you say are spots that if people haven't gone a lot, you'd New be York like, City. hit these? Okay. Love New York City. Okay. What do you love about it? I can't get enough. It's <laughs> just... I just love it. And part of it might be from the fact that I spent so much time there when I was working that I have an affinity for it and it brings back great memories. And I'm very familiar with it. So I feel like I have a lay of the land. So that's always, uh, that's always a go-to place that I can't get enough of. Yeah. And San Francisco, we enjoyed San Francisco. Um, We enjoyed taking the boys to Disney. The world, Florida. Yeah. Well, we've been once to um, Disneyland, but yes, to Disney World for the most part. Yeah, I love it. It's magical. It is. Happiest place on earth. I mean, it really, really is, I have to say. We, um, Brett has a friend and he's really, really generous and he's a part of the Club 33. Have you heard of that? It's this elite club and you get invited into it for Disney World. And then you get certain amount of tickets. It's like a country club for Disney. Yeah. So he gifted us a backstage pass for the day in March. Nice. It was unreal. We did Hollywood Studio Hollywood Studios, right? Mm-hmm. Is the Disney one? I think we did it in an hour. So literally the girls would be like, "We want to do this ride, this ride, this ride, this ride." And he would take us the back route. And he would tell us about the other people that he would do tours for. The private tours, he did Michael Jordan, he did Joe Biden. Like, it was quite exciting. How and I fun. was like, we are not entitled to this experience. Uh, but lucky enough to have great friends that love us that much, I guess. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Disney's just, it is, it's a magical place, I think. Yeah, the, the fireworks. They don't have an electric light parade currently, and I think that they're working yeah, on like turning an it evening to be LED lights or something like that, right? Well, currently it's just the castle and the fireworks presentation, but like five mm-hmm. years ago, they would have like the 
parade. Floats come through, yes. which well, the, I loved. And the last time we were there, they did too, but it's been a long time now. Yes, so you're going to have to go back because they're going to do, they're creating a new one, but I think it takes a long time for them to do that. No doubt. So maybe by the time my kids are ready, then then it will be there. I think so. Good. Because I think six. What age would you say? Don't go younger than... I had always said when I went and I, as a single person and would see parents, you know, dragging their kids, this, you know, kids were unhappy right. and thinking, oh, this is just wrong. This is just so wrong for the experience. We took ours at two and a half <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the mindset that, you know, we were going to be flexible and we'd go back for naps right. and the, going back for naps never happened, but it all worked. <laughs> you know, we just had to be, we were still flexible with what we could accomplish and when we got started in the mornings and that sort of thing. Yeah. So it, it worked, but yeah. Yeah. I would say six is the advice that I would give to you because yeah. I think Ellie went at four, Katie was six and she doesn't really remember that That's one. the thing. Remember, yeah, she can look at the pictures, but Katie did. And then when we went back with Natalie, then Ellie remembers that experience. This last year, we went to Graceland, and I think it was the humidity, and Wesley was teething, but it was quite possibly like the worst place we could have ever been. And um, I had Wesley on my shoulders, <laughs> and they give you this iPad where John Stamos is walking you through, you know, Elvis's house. Oh, because when I did this like 20 years ago, we just had headphones. It's new. Have you done it? It's new. Yeah, iPad. Elvis's house? I have not. So John Stamos is talking to you, and you're supposed to have headphones. Well, wh- Wesley whipped, ripped off the headphones, and so it's this iPad that's blasting, you know, John Stamos. He changes the language to, like, Mandarin. Sure. And so you're following it. It's blasting, it. and I, I walked through the house as fast as possible because we let Mandy enjoy John Stamos and Elvis because that's, like, it was her thing. But, yeah, it was near disaster taking a little kid. But it wasn't Disney, but still, yeah. Yeah, those experiences. We're still a few years um, away from Were you it. an Elvis fan? No. Beatles? I, the Who? No. I was not. My We never listened to music in my house growing up. Huh. It was the Grain Reports, and it was <laughs> so local news. So news radio. Yes. Um, so, yeah. No, I did not listen until I started hanging out with my high school friends and youth group friends. Not really that exposed to music. Oh, interesting. Uh, but you said you were a voracious reader. What are some of your favorite books? Early, Bobsy Twins, Nancy Drew, oh, yeah. Hardy Boys. Yeah. Early on. And now um, I just try to read sort of the more popular things and also practical based on where we're at with college looming on the horizon. Right. What would you say for perspective, parent perspective, um, to young families um, listening to this that are first grade, second graders? um, What would you have liked to have said to yourself raising um, kids? Take lots of pictures. Yeah. To preserve the memories. Yeah. Because it's hard to remember. I look back at pictures now and I think, I can't even believe they were that size or that they look like that. And I remember it when I see it. Right. But it's hard to recall at it all. At this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My middle one's always asking me, tell me, tell me another story about when I was little. Tell me. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And document things as well. Right. I have a couple classics, which I can't recall off the top of my head, but I would just jot them down or plug them into the computer when they happen. And it was just, we'd be guffawing over comments that were made or, you know, things that the boys did. <laughs> yeah. And looking back, 
there was one, I just came one, across one a few weeks ago and I had written down something. We went to some mall or store and there was an escalator escalator, and we were at the top of the escalator and it wasn't running. It, it wasn't working. And one of them said, what do I do? I'm like, walk. <laughs> <laughs> Start going down the stairs, you know? So it's yeah. just things like that that you yeah. think it, you want to preserve. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Well, I wish you all the luck in the journey that lies ahead in, in picking colleges uh, for these amazing young men. Thanks. I'm sure it will be an adventure. Yeah. And and have you and your husband mapped out a plan for what that looks like for the two of you? You said you'll probably travel together, which I think is good. So that you just, because it's going to be both at the same time. It will be both at the same time. Yeah. So it will be culture shock. Yes. You know. I, I think that's the thing that families of multiples have, like that the rest, other families don't, is everything is happening at the same time for you. Um, and you've always been super busy because your stages always happen together, which has got to be complicated. It was most challenging probably the first two years. Sure. Because of schedules and just... Keeping to, them alive. Right. And then, and I'd see other people with a single coming out to, you know, different events or yeah. going places right. and it was so easy. And then once they started having a second or third child, then the dynamics sort of shifted because right. now we were sort of on an even playing field with the two of them. <laughs> sure. As you know, Pastor yeah. Brian, and now you have two and one's at nap time and the other one's, you know, starting to dabble in t-ball or soccer and how do you right. balance all that, mm-hmm. especially if your spouse is traveling and you're trying to juggle both kids. So I feel like we sort of paid the price early on, and then we were able to, then it sort of calmed down a bit. And for many years, the boys were in the same activities. They both did soccer. They both did piano lessons. They both did uh, t-ball, you know, at the beginning. Right. And then probably starting in middle school, they started to diverge with where their interests were and what they wanted to participate in. But it all works, you know, the school, the church. They're all within close proximity, so we're we're very blessed that we have the resources that we do at both at both places. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, I loved having you on here and getting to know you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're lovely and articulate and a beautiful family. So thanks for being a part of our community. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Right, bye. Bye.